Daddy God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for a, a, a smiling God. Thank you that we can relax in your presence. We can enjoy your presence. We can smile in your presence. We can play in your presence. And we can receive in your presence. And tonight I ask you, Lord, to, to help me to be somehow an instrument of blessing in your hand for these precious ones who have come tonight. Let help me help me to be to be straight to the point to be simple to be to be direct and to to be able to 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 explain what what's in my heart what I believe you put in my heart and I thank you for it Holy Ghost Amen Amen, Amen. Yeah um, the okay so uh, the, we have uh, we have uh, um, started uh, uh, three or four weeks ago we started the second course. Uh, which is entitled My New Identity, The New Identity. The first one was a different cheese. You remember that we tackled a different type of teaching, a different type of approaching the Word of God, approaching uh, doctrine, approaching uh, this thing that we call uh, preaching. And we, we have, uh, we, I, I hope I have uh, uh, blown some of your fuses so that we can start uh, from, uh, from scratch and uh, rebuild on a proper foundation, like Paul says, which is the foundation of Christ and Him crucified. Uh, we, we have started the second one, and the second one is entitled, um, My New Identity. And uh, I have, um, I woke up yesterday morning, uh, which is, but I do that every morning, basically. Uh, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I do that. Uh, and, uh, but I woke up with this, with this uh, question in my mind and, and, um, and a turning, and a turning uh, question mark. And I told Celeste, I said, I said, I don't know where the Lord is going with this, but this is what I believe I have to share on uh, Sunday night, on Monday night. And the question is that. Why? Uh, why? Why do we go to church? Why do we come to Bible school? Why do we uh, accumulate preachings and, uh, and sermons and, uh, and lessons and informations and... Uh, why, what, what is it? Is it just because we got nothing else to do on a Monday night? Or is it just because Sunday morning is church time? Um, why, why, do we, why do we do this? Why, why do we approach the Bible? Why do we want to hear from God? Why do we want to... Is it, I, have, I have seen a lot of people moving away from God because of too much knowledge. Sadly, I have seen in my 30 odd years of ministry, I have seen that some Bible schools work, some Bible schools don't work. I've seen more people backslide, as it were, out of Bible school than, uh, than out of just simply having a relationship with the Father. Now, why? Because sometimes what we do is we accumulate knowledge and it's like we overfeed ourselves and we have these big fat spiritual bellies and we come into church and we sit down and the belly takes about five minutes to stop wobbling because it's so full and it's so fat and we've known so much and we've been told so many things and somewhere along the line there must be another reason why we do this. And, 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 I, and I know that at least in my, in my case I love digging into the Word of God. I love, I love getting nuggets. I love understanding. But, but I ask myself, this is the question that I believe the Holy Spirit put in my heart. Why? Mm. 
Why do we do what we do? What's the reason? What, what is the reason, the bottom line of learning about grace? And uh, I have... Uh, okay. Now, Genesis 1, 28. This is Mario's translation. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, every animal that moves on the face of the earth, and earth itself. So God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Then God blessed them and said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge from the fish in the sea to the birds in the air, Spread my presence all over the face of the earth. So I think, and this is where I, I think, I think that this why question is contained within the original directions of God to man. Go and spread my presence. Why do we learn about grace? So that we can spread His presence. Why do we learn about love? So that we can spread His presence. So that somehow we can present a, a beautiful God, an attractive God, that somehow I, 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 I fail to encounter uh, with some of the Christians. I fail to encounter an attractive God. I don't know about you, but some, no, some, sometime I, I, I bump into this God that uh, is so difficult to please. It's so hard to follow. It's so confusing to understand. One day He says to me, you are forgiven forever. And the next day He says, yeah, but if you sin... The one day he says, uh, uh, my, my, the, my, the blood of my son covers a multitude of sin and, and you are uh, forever saved. And the next day he, he says to me, yes, but if you step over the line, then you're going to lose your salvation. And I don't understand that kind of God. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, this is the reason why we're doing this, the, this course that we're doing. And, uh, and the idea is that I believe that God wants us to reproduce by presenting an attractive God. And um, every one of us has been infected with a virus. Let me, let me, let me tell you what, what this virus is. When you have something, let's say um, a cold, okay, or the mumps, and you go to a person and you talk to them and you say to them I have a uh, uh, whooping cough but you have the mumps what is that person gonna catch? what you say or what you have? what you have, right so somewhere along the line I think that the same part is relatively important. It's more the being part that counts. Because the world is not going to catch what we say, he's going to catch what we have. <coughs> right? And so, Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, 16, he says, Through us, God brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent, rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma impregnated with life. But those on the way to destruction treat us more like the stench from a rotting corpse. So, why, why do we do this Monday night? Because I am trying to convince you of who you are and not of what you have. I'm trying to, to convince you of the new identity, of the new heart 
of the new person, of the new man, of the new thing that God has done in your heart and that religion will tell you, you still have to change, you still have to uh, better yourself, you still have to somehow reach something. Whenever there is a, you have to reach something, that is not the gospel. Because the gospel, remember the gospel, and I told you various times, the word eulogos, the word gospel, it, it, it's an announcement. It's not a request. Religion requests. The gospel announces. And it announces what? Something that has already happened. So I need to convince you that inside of you, there is not a half a, say, well, some kind of a monster with half good and half bad. Some, some divine nature, but some fleshly nature. The, with, the, uh, with the spirit and with the flesh. And with the good and with the bad. And if you, if you really think about it, that is the message that we get every time from church. Yes, you're okay, but... There's still something in you that needs to be changed, right? You need to become more like Jesus. No, you don't. You are like Jesus. You need to understand that you need to let Jesus manifest itself. That virus needs... You've got a virus that's called Jesus Christ. And only when you, are, when you understand and you believe it, only then will that thing be able to touch other people and change their lives. We are all infected with life but if you don't realize what let me put it to you this way what is the greatest enemy of this message the flesh right how many times we hear the flesh the flesh what now what is the flesh i'm gonna i'm gonna try Number one, the flesh is not you. You don't have flesh. Your heart is not the flesh. Your old man is not the flesh. Your old person is not the flesh. You've been born again. You're a new creature. You have crucified the flesh on the cross with Christ. Paul says, I therefore do not live anymore, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who crucified himself and gave himself for me. So my flesh has been crucified. My old man has been crucified in Christ. That flesh is gone. However, there are certain definitions that I want you to understand so that we can look, hopefully, of where I want to go tonight. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Alright, now that, at least the preachers that I've heard, they've always presented it as, yes, there is no condemnation, as long as. Right? In other words, you are not condemned as long as you don't walk in the flesh. Right? Isn't that what, what we've been told all the time? That there is, there is a no condemnation that, because you can't get away from it. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ Jesus, there is now therefore no condemnation. But then they come back and they say, Ha! But you must, you must walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. In other words, you must what? You must behave. Otherwise, there is condemnation. And this is where I lose it and I become confused. Okay, is there condemnation or is there no condemnation? Because I have proven to myself that I cannot do what you say to me that walking in the flesh is. Because walking in the flesh, what is the normal, the traditional teaching of walking in the flesh is what? Is you cheat, you lie, you commit adultery, you steal, you possibly kill, you... You know, whatever. You, you go and watch X-rated movies, you smoke, you drink too much. You, the, 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 that's, you know, that's walking in the flesh. Okay, now let's see what Paul says. He says, Philippians 3, 2. He says, beware of dogs. Right? That's a good advice. But what he was saying there, he was talking about, uh, it's, a, it's, a, 
it's a, it's an analogy. Have you ever walked past a gate with a dog? Now that dog doesn't know you. Well, what's that dog gonna do? <laughs> you are Celeste. I, I turn around and say, "You don't know me. Why are you barking at me? I'm a good man." I did down the road, yeah. But beware of dogs. What is he talking about? He's talking about people that will. They don't know you, but boy, are you wrong. They, they don't know what you're going through. They don't know why you're doing what you're doing. They don't know why you're drinking too much. They don't know why you, you're swearing every now and then. They don't know why. They don't know the pain, the, the hell, the tragedy, the, the pressure, the, 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 the conflict that's going on inside your head. They don't know the depression. They don't know the pain. They don't know the tragedy. But they you must be beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Now that is the part of the flesh where you do fall into um, wrongdoings. We are all undergoing a renewing of the mind. That is where you fight the flesh. This is new. This needs to be renewed. Why? Because, because we still think... Let me, let me, let me go on. No, sorry. Uh, okay. Beware of the mutilation. What was the mutilation? The mutilation was the circumcision. Okay? So he's talking about the law. He's talking about the Judean, the Jew, the Jew thing. Jew? The way of thinking of the Jew. The way of thinking of the Jew. Go away. There we go. My pound of flesh refuses to go away. Okay, so he's talking, Paul is talking about the law. He's talking about the circumcision. He's talking about the sign of the covenant, of the old covenant. He's talking about the dogs that will... You remember that when he talks about beware of the dogs, he's talking about the Jews that were following him. Remember? Yeah. Remember when he, when, he, when he spoke about the, the, the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan? The Jews that will follow, they were following him everywhere and saying, You try and. Oh, come on. I know. JJ? You're too big, man. You you really don't want this pound of flesh, eh? What happened here? Pull. Okay. 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 It's a bit skewed. Okay. There you go. All right. So, uh, beware of the mutilation. So, and then Paul says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So now, here's the image of the flesh. The flesh is what? The flesh is that thing that tells you that you can actually please God apart from Christ. And that is where you understand there is now therefore no condemnation. When? When you walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because if you walk according to the law, according to your understanding that I'm going to please God now, you will get condemnation. You will condemn yourself because you will never be able to do it. You will never be able to succeed. So that's where it comes, okay? And then the third one is Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? What does that mean? That means that flesh is not only bad. Flesh can also be good because it can perfect you. So you can, you, can, you can have some ritual by which you wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and you pray for one hour. It's, it's good. Or some other form of, of self-improvement 
by which you decide that you're going to stop doing this and you're going to stop doing that. And, and that's what Paul was trying, was trying to tell to the Galatians. He was saying, guys, you started in the Spirit. You started by grace. What makes you think that, gra- that, that, that fl- the flesh now is going to perfect you? So you've got good flesh as much as you've got bad flesh. So anything that is good and tries to take the place of your relationship with Christ, grace, pure grace, it's flesh. And it will cause problems. Now, what is the condition of your heart? This is a scripture that is usually thrown into the, into the pot. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So what is the message? The message is this. The message is, I'm okay. I'm, I, I, was, I, was, I was born again. I was crucified with Christ. I'm a new creation. But my heart is desperately wicked. Can you see how the thing splits in the middle and all of a sudden you say, so, so what? What am I? Am I good? Am I bad? Am I forgiven? Am I not forgiven? Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I spirit? Am I flesh? Am I, what's going on here? How can my heart be, be wicked? You remember that we've, we've done a whole lesson on the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And between the Old Testament and the New Testament is what? It's the cross. And the cross is the one that changes, flips the whole thing around. Before it was man that had to perform, now it's God who has performed. And that's the difference. Before it was do, now it is done. Before it is, I will bless you if you. Check Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 is a, script, is a chapter that is used regularly by various churches. I used to use it myself. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's 14 verses of blessings. Which is fine, no problems, because they're okay. So you can use the blessings. But then after, if you, I will bless you in the city, in the plan, I will bless you in the country, I will bless you, you will be the head and not the tail. You are, I will bless you, I will bless you, I will bless you, I will bless you. The only problem is this, is that the first verse of Deuteronomy 28 says, if you obey my commandments, then I will bless you. Now, verse 15 says, but if you don't, I will rip your nose off your face. I will kick your butt all the way to Cape Town and back. I will glue your lips around the exhaust pipe of my car and blow you up like a balloon. I will tie you to the big bumper of my car and I'll drive to Pofathersdorp and back. I will, you check, you'll see the the curses in, in Deuteronomy 28 from 15 to 54 are terrible. But we don't look at that. We say, no, no, no. Why? Because we got the split mind. We got this, yes, that part of me that is good gets blessed if behaves. But the part that is bad, now I must watch it because I, I must always be in charge of the part that is bad, of the flesh. Now, uh, see, that's, that's done because uh, there. Thank you. <laughs> Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. This is a prophetic scripture, like Jeremiah 10, 10. This is a prophetic scripture that the, that the prophet, that God puts on the lips of the prophet. And it, it goes right over the horizon, right past the cross, into the church age, into our time now. And he speaks to us. And watch what he says. He says, then, now... I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. When did this happen? In the Old Testament? No. This is prophetic of the New Testament. Prophetic of us. I will give you a new heart and put the new spirit within you. 
I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgment and do them. Watch what he says thousands, well, hundreds of years before the New, the New Testament. It says, I will put my spirit in your heart and because I put my spirit in your heart, you will be able to what? To keep walking my statutes and keep my commandments. It doesn't say walk in my statutes and I will put my spirit in your heart. It says, I will put my put I will put my I will give you a new heart, I will put my spirit inside of you, and that will cause you to be able to walk in my statutes and obey my commandments. Can you see the change from religion to grace? Religion says walk according to my statutes and keep my judgments, and then I will put my maybe if I'm in a good mood. I will put my spirit in your heart. So, this is talking about a new heart. Hebrews 8, 9 and 10, this is the recurrent uh, phrase, the recurrent scripture that comes in the, the three chapters. And he says, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So this is the result of what God has done prophetically in Ezekiel, he says, my new covenant will put my law, notice that he says laws, plural. You know that in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 10, 10, you can check, it says law, singular. Because the prophet was talking about the law, will put my law in, the, in your my law in, in your mind. But, but God is saying, I will put my laws, I will put my Precepts, I will put my way of life, my, I will put my uh, suggestions, I will put my, 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 my um, counseling inside of your head so that your head can be renewed and so that you can live a successful life. So why? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. If our heart is evil and wicked, we cannot understand that. There's a clash, there's a confusion. How can you be God's workmanship and still sin? How can you, I'm talking you, I'm talking your heart, I'm talking your your, your, your being, your nature, your, 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 your new creation thing. How can that thing do something wrong if that is what God says? You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Remember what he said, I will put my statutes in your mind. You will, you will walk in my, in, my, in my judgment. You will do my statutes. You will keep my commandments. You will do because I put a new heart inside of you. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, Paul is saying to the Ephesians, he's saying, guys, God has put a new heart in you. Forget about what religion says. It's not a wicked heart. You are not a bad person. Don't. There are people that say, no, but that's my nature. I can't help it. Nonsense. Because, let me tell you why. Religion will tell you that you can actually fight your nature and overcome it. Grace will tell you, no, that's a lie. You're not made like that. You're made in the image of Christ. Now let that sink. From, from revelation, let, let us rise, rather. Let it rise from, from your new heart into your head where you start believing it. And I can assure you, you will start changing. Because what you are is what will come out of your mouth, what will come out of your life, what will come out of your, your, your behavior. And, and it's that virus that people will catch. They will not catch what you say. Yeah, you know, you, uh, well, God made me, made me like this, and, uh, and if you, uh, you know, I can't change. Yes, you can, because God didn't make you like that. God made you like that. Can you see the excuse of religion? 
No, my God made me like that. I'm angry. I'm violent. All the, the, the base, the, the generational curses. Sick. Sick. God didn't generational curse you nothing. God generationally blessed you because He is your generation. You have been made according to Christ Jesus, the workmanship of God. And God makes no junk. That is the truth. The other one is the rope that the religion will throw around you, trying to hold you so that you don't leave. And so that you keep on paying your tithe, and so that you, which is fine, no problem. I mean, I, I, I wish that we could keep the people with, in, with other. Uh, 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 tools rather than fear, uh, but that's that's the way it is. What, what happens is that when you when you think that's the way I am, I can't change because God made me that way. The devil says, "Yes, you're right. You can't change because God made you that way." The devil will agree with you 100 percent. No, you're a piece of junk. You're right. You are totally right. God made a mistake with you, boy. He really, he went, oops, wrong one. I mean, I've, I've, I've done, I've done JJ, I've done Mario, I've done Mario, I've done Celia, but, but, uh, but Lozelle, nah, sorry, need to start all over again. <laughs> Can you see how crazy it is? Did God make you a new creature? Does it say you are God's workmanship? Created in Christ Jesus. It does. So can he make a mistake? Can he make a person. Who likes to swear. Who likes to be violent. Who likes to get drunk. Who likes to cheat. Who li no. What that person needs to understand. Is that he is not like that. That is the temptation of the flesh. That says. Behave like the lie. Instead of behaving like the truth. My heart. Is that the way you see your heart? I appreciate the fact that you, I get the mm -mm here and there. But thank you, Greg. Yeah. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you, you see it as a shack with rusted sides and a bunch of junk floating somewhere in between. Usually that happens because you go somewhere where some holy person will preach at you that you're not good enough because you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and you're not doing that. And instead of telling you, you are the workmanship of God. You are perfect in all your ways because He created you in Christ Jesus. Your, your real you, your heart, your heart is perfect. Your, your, your spirit being, your core, the real you is created in Christ Jesus. Perfect. Without sin, without blemish, without blame, without... Perfect in Christ Jesus. Because guess what? There is no imperfection in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, you cannot carry your imperfections with you. He will blow them away. But religion will tell you, that's your heart. Desperately wicked. All you have to do is just give it enough time, and it will start behaving like that. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a palace a few kilometers north of Naples and it's the <laughs> it's the old uh, uh, one of the one of the uh, royal residences of the Italian king this you're looking at the um, mid 1800s early 1800s and this is in, in Aversa near, near, um, near Naples and I mean this is this is the throne room okay so I want you to think about this. 
That's the way you must look at your heart. Because Jesus says, if anyone loves me, and if you're a Christian, you love him. Religion was like, yeah, you see, you must love him. Okay, how do I do that? Mm, I love, how do I do eh? If I'm a Christian, I love him naturally. He is put a new spirit within me. He has put the new heart within me. And that heart and that spirit loves my God. Even in the midst of sin. I can pick every one of you. And you will still say I love Jesus. Because you're a Christian. So he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You will keep my judgment. You will keep my statutes. Remember, not because you do it, but because his spirit is inside of you. And my father and I will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Now where does Jesus, the Father and the Holy Ghost live? So, do they live in a shack? With rubbish floating on the, and sewage floating on the, on the, on the ground? They don't. They don't because that's their house, not yours. It's their house. I will put my spirit within you. And I will give you a new heart. <coughs> and your heart, <coughs> excuse me, is not a shack. Your heart is the throne room. Now watch what happens. Your heart gets to the throne and Christ is exalted. Your heart gets into the shack and Christ needs to hide. Because what you do when you think your heart is a shack, a, a, a rotten, rusted, filthy shack, you carry that virus with you and that is what you give to the people. A God who judges you, a God who mistreats you, a God who is vindicative, a God who uses a whip. If you make a mistake, it's, boy, I'll teach you something. Instead of a loving father that says, okay, uh, males, let's just renew our mind. Let, let my spirit within you counsel you, talk to you, guide you. At night, when you pray, when you drive, when you, when you walk, when you, when you talk with somebody, allow me to talk to you. And you don't have to go on your knees and say, oh, please talk to me. Thou heavenly father, thou magnificent uh, all. Uh, uh, no, he's your dad. He wants to talk to you. And he says, let me counsel you so that I can renew your mind. And slowly, when you realize that perfection is alive in you. What you hear from your heart, your mind begins to accept. But if you think that your heart is desperately wicked, your mind will say, uh-uh. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, uh, yeah, you can, you can get upset because God made you like that. Yeah, you can, you can... You know, you can be a, a subhuman being because God made you like that. He made you not good enough. And that's not the truth. You're a God's workmanship. And you know what that word workmanship means? It means a masterpiece. Let me, let me tell you a story. Michelangelo. Buonarroti. He was a, he was a gentleman from, uh, from Tuscany. And um, most of you know that he was a sculptor. He has um, created some of the most beautiful pieces on earth. The Pieta, uh, Mary holding the dying Christ, uh, the dying Jesus, and uh, Moses and David. And uh, I mean, his pieces and marble pieces are everywhere. Celeste and I actually um, I took her to the to the museum where the real David is. You know about the David uh, uh, in, the, in Piazza della Repubblica in Florence. That's not the real one. Then there's another one on, 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 the, on, the, on the hill. That's also not the right one. There are three or four or five scattered all over Florence. But of course, the original one, they wouldn't leave it outside. 
So it's in a museum under a cupel and protected and everything. But on the way there, it's magnificent. They have all the pieces that Michelangelo never finished. And so, and usually, the piece that is not finished is the head. So what you have is you have this body, this, you know, this fighter body or this woman body or this child body, whatever, and, and the head is in a block. And some of us have still got our head in a block because we think we're not finished. We think that the master must still finish us. In the meantime, we are the masterpiece, just a few steps ahead in the, in the hall that sits like that. I'm not going to do the David, but <laughs> anyway, uh, the, 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 the real masterpiece. On the way there, you have the renewing of the mind, you have the head in a block, you have the masterpiece, the, the master that hasn't finished chiseling out the stuff. There was a cartoon years ago, B.C. Remember B.C. Johnny Hart? And, um, and there was this Thor. Thor uh, was a sculptor. And he, and he, and he gets a, a block of stone and it goes... Chuk, 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 and the next, the next image is, he's got, a whole, he's got an elephant. And B.C. goes to him and he says, Thor, how did, you, how did you get the elephant out of that? He says, it's easy. I take a block of stone and I get rid of everything that doesn't look like an elephant. It's easy. I get Mario and I get rid of everything that doesn't look like Christ. And what am I left with? The perfection of Christ. And the last story is the fact that uh, Michelangelo once, he was commissioned the Moses. Moses is one of the most beautiful pieces. In fact, uh, Michelangelo, when he was finished, he turned around and he, and he started shouting at, at the statue. And he started shouting, he started telling the statue to speak. He, it was so real that he wanted it to speak. And it's an incredible piece. But anyway, the Moses, he was supposed to build this Moses. And he looked everywhere in Carrara. Carrara is a, is a place where the, the mountains seem to be covered with snow because they're white. But in the meantime, it's, it's marble. The mountains, a height of table mountain, Kika? Eh? Yeah, the height of table mountain. And, and uh, many of them, many of them for, for about 40, 50 kilometers, and they're all capped with white and it looks like it's snow but in the meantime it's marble and they've been they've been carving marble from those mountains since the time of the romans and the way that they used to do it is they would find a crack in the in the in the marble and they would put wooden wedges along the crack and then they would wet the the wood and 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 the way that god created the wood the wood would swell and split the block so anyway, um, Michelangelo wanted, needed a block for his Moses. And he couldn't find it. He went to all his u- uh, usual uh, suppliers and he couldn't find the block. He couldn't find the block. Find... Eventually he went back to his, to his old supplier and he said, Are you sure you haven't got anything else? And he says, Look, Mikey, <laughs> the, the only thing I have is a second rate block of marbles in the back but it's second rate it's all cracked and not right so let me sh- show me so he goes there and Mike, michelangelo says that's my block and the guy says to him he says why it's 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 bad it's cracked it's bro-. he says i can see my moses inside there you see the master can see the masterpiece inside of you. On the outside, the world can look and see cracks and see dirt and see flaws and see this. But the master can see the masterpiece inside of each and every one of you. And only he can see it. Because we can't even see it. 
We struggle right now. Your mind is going, yeah, Mario is right. Yeah, he's right. But I know myself. I know what I'm capable of doing. I know how many times I failed. I know how many times this. I know how many times that. And all I'm trying to ask you to do is I'm trying to, I'm asking you to start looking at you with different eyes. Look at you with the eyes of the master and not with the eyes of the blockhead. This is also Mario's translation. Galatians 5, 23 otherwise known as the fruit of the Spirit. What happens when we authenticate God's design, which is walking the Spirit? I've translated it, authenticate God's design. In other words, say yes to who I know I am inside. I'm going to act accordingly. I'm going to authenticate that masterpiece inside of me. I'm going to do it accordingly. What happens when we do that? He brings gifts out of our hearts. Out of our hearts. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things we love. Things like love for others. Joyful exuberance of life. Peace. We develop a willingness to stick in. The, these are the fruit of the Spirit. But... What happens when we authenticate God's design? What happens when we start agreeing with the Master? That my heart is not wicked, but my heart has been created in the image of God. <coughs> and I can trust my heart. Alright, so what happens when we authenticate God's design? What happens when we agree with what He says? What happens when we agree that my heart is not a shack, but it's a throne room for the king? What happens is that he gives us fruit, very much like the fruit that will appear in an orchard. You will produce according to what you believe you are infected with. You will, you will say things. You will behave. If you think you are wicked, if you think you are, you, God made you that way, if you think you will, you will continue doing the wrong things that you've done all your life. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. It's just that you got, you're a blockhead. You're going to need a heck of a lot of chiseling. And you know, when, when God takes His hammer and the chisel out... It's not pleasant. Because he said, now, come on, will you just trust me and believe me? No, but because uh, I can never do anything right. Yeah, but I always mess up. I'm no good because I'm this, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm a child. You, you need to authenticate God's design. You need to walk in the Spirit. You need to walk as if you believe that His Spirit is alive in you. Because you don't. The majority of the Christians don't. Why? Because we've been fed every time we've been fed. Yes, you're okay. What's the next word that's coming? But. And it's a big but. It's a big but. Because there's always something that I cannot do. So, going back to the reason why. Why, why do we do what we do? Why do we, why do we try to understand the Word of God? Why do we relate to God? Why? We've seen that He asked us to spread His presence in the world. So watch what Song of Solomon says. How fragrant your cologne. And how great your name. No wonder all the young girls love you. When you smell good, people will love you. Can you see the difference between religion and grace? Religion says, go and tell the people 
how bad they are. Grace is, go and tell them how good is your God. And basically, go and tell them how good you are. And as you tell them how good you are, you, 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 inside of you, something clicks and say, well, I better, you know, I better do what I say. And you start behaving with more kindness, with more goodness, with more gentleness, with more patience, with more self-control, with more peace, with more joy, with more love. Why? Because suddenly that throne room is starting to throw out some fragrance that's coming to your nostrils and it feels good. Because you see one thing, it's also this is good for the others, but it's good for you. And that's the other reason why we do what we do. It's because it's only when you understand that peace is inside your heart. And it can manifest in your life if you let it. Love is inside your heart. I always, I always use this, this illustration, and I'm sorry for my, for my baby, but there's something that I don't have to force myself to do, and that's to love my wife. It's just, it's just something that is res resident within me. Others, I can assure you, I'm struggling, but I can feel the pull of love. And Celeste can tell you, I can forgive like that. And it's not me because I want to kill. I, I, want, I, I want... In the name of Jesus. And his mother. Yeah, I know. But... Somewhere along the line, and I'm telling you, it didn't happen like this. It didn't, you know, it took a lot of chiseling. It took a lot of, of understanding. It took a lot of allowing my heart to minister to my head. And finally come up with the, with the, with the answer. You know what? If you behave like that, you are going to gain. You are going to benefit. You are going to, you're going to be happy. And you're going to, your happiness is going to spread a fragrance. Chanel number five. Not Kamel number five. <laughs> Chanel number five. Let's pray. Daddy God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the fragrance that you have placed inside our heart. Thank you that we don't, we don't have to work at the finished work of the cross. We don't have to touch the masterpiece of the master. We don't have to chisel it. We don't have to touch it. We don't have to add. We don't have to modify. We don't have to do anything. We are complete in Christ. Once and for all. And now I pray, my God, that this realization will somehow bubble up into the minds of those who are still living in that block. That religious block. And that somehow the pieces that don't look like you will begin to fall off. One after the other. And so we can spread the fragrance of a beautiful God, such as you are, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.